0: All right, welcome to the F5 podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, comment, go to YouTube, look up F5 podcast, go on iTunes, look up F5 podcast and subscribe. Today, we want to talk about how to overcome breakups, how to overcome loss, and hopefully, this helps you in any way that we can help. Let's go briefly over the types of loss that you would have to overcome in life. So, first type of loss is breakup. You love someone. You talk with them every day for the last. You've talked with them every day for the last five years, and they don't want you anymore. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Go ahead. That's fun. What other uh, type of loss? What
1: about uh, loss of a loved one, like physical loss, passed away? an unfortunate part of life, but the older you get, the more likely you're going to experience that loss of a loved one. What
0: about loss of a, of a job
1: loss of a job you really loved or a business that you really loved
0: loss of a business you really loved. Let's go over first, like breakup. So how do you overcome a breakup?
1: I think Um, go ahead. No, go ahead. So to say, just understanding what it is. um, I, 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 you know, I coach a lot of entrepreneurs, 20s and 30s, uh, that they're going through this life phase where they are dating and they're, you know, they're they're trying to figure out if they can find a life partner, if they want a life partner, what does that look like, and so breakups are a natural part of that process. Um, And the grieving process of losing a relationship or having a relationship evolve, I think, is is pretty normal. How we navigate that though has a lot to do with our internal hardwiring and how we see it, right? So if if our normally when when somebody is grieving a relationship a loss of a relationship it isn't the person they miss it's what the person did for them so that's the first thing i try to identify like what is it are you missing them or are you missing what they did for you and the easiest way to know the difference is if you're missing what they did for you you feel very compelled to go out and try to replace them very quickly Uh, and you'll see that right you won't actually deal with your shit figure out what it is that that cause a relationship to break right. down and instead, just try to fill that void with someone else, which is very often just going to repeat the same thing over and over again.
0: Who do you think, who do you think takes longer to get over a breakup men or women? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I think that very much depends. Uh, my understanding is in most relationships, one is over it before the other. Um, and so it, it can seem, it can seem pretty tough because by the time the second person is getting around to kind of processing what has happened. The other person has already moved on because really they started moving on or really started realizing they were over it many times weeks or months before the actual breakup. Um, I would say, I don't know if it's a sex thing, but I would say it's certainly the person that is more emotionally invested or more, uh, is having their needs met. Well, the,
0: the thing I hear, like it's very common. I hear, that women break up before they actually break up like before it's official. So like a woman would will be already done with a relationship like months or years in advance and they they know it's already it's done and they've already done their grieving. So by the time the man hears it it's like holy crap why are you breaking up with me and that he hasn't grieved at all yet. Right? So so he sees his 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 you know ex woman, right? Like Moving on, like she's fine, she's going out, she's having fun. It's like what, like, and he's still like grieving and overcoming it.
1: Was that a common experience?
0: I a hundred percent. You see that a lot. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, we can ask the women on Monday. Yeah, um, but and then for for women, I don't know. i Also, I I get the idea. I, I have the perception that women think that men get over things really fast. Is that true? Do you think? Do you think men get over things really fast?
1: I have a hard time generalizing an entire group of people. Awesome. Of course, but, but I, would <laughs> never, say, never I would say never I would say I would say that men seem to be less likely to process their emotions. Thus, it can seem like they're getting over something quicker simply because they're burying their emotions and 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 moving on. But that right. doesn't necessarily mean they're over it. They're just. Burying it, and I know this is from from coaching (laughs) how often this stuff comes up. Uh, Pro tip: If you want to know whether somebody's burying a lot of emotions, uh, put them in a situations where emotion is harder to control and see what comes up. Mm -hmm. Uh, As simple as going and having a beer with someone, it's amazing how a little bit of alcohol can loosen somebody's emotions and see what comes up. Uh, Very often, if if somebody is has got a lot of unprocessed emotions, it'll start showing up in those sorts of situations. But uh, I don't know if they get over it quicker or if they just don't deal with it at all um but certainly they deal with it differently that's for sure
0: uh yeah, that's true well I think uh, I'm not generalizing again I mean most not all but like women normally are, are okay expressing emotion uh you know sharing with their friends their family members men are like no I'm gonna make i'm nothing's everything's good People can tell that there's something wrong, and then most men are just like it's it's all good.
1: Yeah, they're more they they definitely seem to be more isolated and try to deal with things on their own, and, and thus don't.
0: Right. So veering off this topic just a little bit. So we're both married, right? So how long have you been married for?
1: Uh, how long have I been married? Thirteen years. Thirteen years.
0: I've been married for four years.
1: <laughs> four years. Yeah. That's... <laughs> so. You're almost out of the death zone. <laughs> the death zone. <laughs> first five years. What, is, what does that mean? First five years is statistically the highest likelihood of divorce. Once you get through the first five years, it, it drops off precipitously. Interestingly, it jumps back up again, uh, and like at the later the later end of it, uh, after the kids are out, empty nest center. But anyway, another never another conversation.
0: So so like part of the reason we don't share. So can you give me an example of something your wife said that made you go? okay, I'm not going to share that with you again. Like, uh,
1: an example an example wanna... of something where I shared something and I felt like her response to it made me think I don't want to share that with her again.
0: Meaning, yeah, like it made you think you're weak or like, I, I'm going to share my experience, okay.
1: but go ahead. Um, why don't you share? I'll think about this. I, I... So, so, yeah, so
0: I had, I had an experience like early on and... Uh, and my wife said, uh, "You know, you've been complaining a lot lately. It's a real big turnoff."
1: <laughs> <laughs> she was direct about it.
0: Yeah, she's just direct about it. And ever since then, I don't, I don't really share like emotions. You know, I'm, I just, I, I always think I need to man up because of that. Because even like if I sprained something or I like broke something, I don't know. I don't think I would mention it. I would just be like, "Yeah, I'm good. I'm good." So, like, now she gets mad at me for not sharing stuff.
1: Did you explain to her why you don't? Why I don't share stuff? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Because you you called me a pussy? Yeah, because you called me a pussy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I don't share that, but I, I do tell her, like, hey, I'm just not complaining. I'm not complaining. And she's like, dude, just tell me. What is it? What's wrong? I'm not complaining. And... So I think that plays into it is like society in general. And then just the fact that like some people are turned off by certain as like men complaining. Um, and then it's more acceptable for women to do it. Um, to not, not complain, uh, but sharing their emotions, grieving, things like that. And so that plays into after a breakup, men don't grieve properly.
1: Yeah, and I they, certainly
0: girls feel it. I think they feel it fully. Men don't.
1: Yeah, I I don't know the statistics on that, but my experience certainly has led me to believe that's the case. That that men seem to have a harder time processing and dealing with their emotion. Absolutely, um, for sure. So let's say, Sabs,
0: let's say um, I'm the man in the relationship. You're the you're the woman, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So so uh, we break up, and uh, let's say I break up with you. What are your first steps in getting over that breakup? You're you're still in love.
1: Uh, first steps. First
0: steps in getting over it. It took it took you completely off guard. I say, hey, Saz, I've met someone else.
1: I think the I think the bigger part is taking inventory of what went wrong. Um, or what could I have done different, especially if it's somebody that I really. I really cared about. I want, to take, I want to take ownership. Now, to be fair, that may not be possible if you're just still processing a lot of emotion. You may not be able to process critically or objectively anything going on. But the, the reason I would go there is because that, I am always trying to put myself back in an empowered state. and right? I don't ever want to be in a situation where I feel like a victim of circumstance and that I'm not in control. That doesn't mean there aren't situations that happen in life where you're not in control, but you're always in control of how you respond. So, one of the ways for me to frame that is to understand my role and why the relationship failed. What could I have done better? Right? What,
0: or but do you think people overanalyze if, if that's the case? Like they, 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 tend, they look at every situation they've ever been in with this person and then it drives them crazy. Do you think that's well,
1: if you're asking me if there is a potential for someone to overanalyze something like this, absolutely. There's a, you
0: know, oh, of course. But then, would so, could somebody take that advice and go and really overanalyze things?
1: Sure. And if you, I would say, if you have a coach or if you have a therapist or you have a really good friend that acts like a therapist, maybe talk through it with them so they can kind of help you stay on track and you don't get into morbid introspection and you're overanalyzing everything on your own. But learning how to, to take ownership, especially this is especially key if you have relationships fail in similar fashion multiple times. Right. So, for instance, first time, first time a breakup happens a particular way. Maybe it's an accident. Second time it's a coincidence. Third time it's a behavioral pattern. So if I start to see, wow, it, it seems like, you know, every time uh, there's a breakup, it kind of falls into these conditions. We may want to look at, well, what is what is continually the consistent here? It's you, right? right? You're the control, right. and they right. keep to seem they keep failing the same way.
0: So, so like when you're coaching people, you're kind of like a therapist to them, right? Like.
1: I would never call myself a therapist and I'll play one on the internet, but you, as as far as the role of being the listener and helping them unpack and analyze. Yes,
0: of course, legally, you can't call yourself a therapist, but you know, you, you help coach them and, and help them get to where they need to be. And so you're, you want them to, to go over what they've done and then also see the pattern. Do you feel like it's hard sometimes for people to actually look at themselves and, and go, Oh, this, this is my fault. Like what is your, when, when you, when you actually point things out directly, the, what is the number one response that you get? Is it pushback? Is it, oh, but I didn't do this or not taking accountability or what, what have you seen?
1: Yeah. From a, from a coaching perspective, my goal isn't to directly point things out, right? It's to get them to point it out, point it out. Like the voice in their own head is far more powerful than mine. So if I tell them, you're more likely to get pushback or defensiveness or the opposite, where they just agree with you because they see you as the professional either isn't really effective. You want them to do the work. So my goal is really to create space for them to do the work. And so it's asking questions and doing a lot of listening to help them unpack what's really going on.
0: So this is interesting for people that are listening or watching let's go over kind of what that looks like and how how you get them to potentially heal obviously again we're not therapists but so let's say we start a conversation Sabs, and I'm like dude I I'm not working as hard as I as I normally do I'm not getting the results maybe I'm not sharing what's wrong right what what are the things let's let's do like a mock coaching session here.
1: Okay, great. Right. And are we doing this around a breakup or something else?
0: Let's do this let's do this around breakup and then we'll move on to other things. Okay. So, Sabs, um uh, let's say I'm not sharing what's going on, but you see that I have a lack of performance. Yeah. I'm, I'm lacking performance, right? And so you're talking to me and you're like you you call me and I'm like, "Hey Sabs, what's up?"
1: Yeah, and th- this is a big one. This says we frame this um in a coaching world, whether you're a boss or a leader, or you have people that you are responsible for, it is important to understand this. Very often, we, if we don't take the time to understand why performance is lacking, we could totally miss an opportunity to help someone and actually get them through it. And very often that leads to more trouble, right? We, we, we misdiagnose what's going on with them. So um, And fundamentally, the, the core axiom, if you're organizing principle around this idea, is people don't care how much you know they don't know how much you care. So taking right. the time. Now, I do this as a coach, but this is just as important as a friend or a leader if somebody just seems off their game and they're emotionally distant or disconnected, seek to understand, right? You know, what's going on.
0: Seek to understand first.
1: Okay. So, so you seem off your game um, at coming in, but you're not disclosing that. And yeah. so I'm going to, I'm going to start with a very easy open-ended question. How are you doing? I'm doing good. You're doing good. Yeah. Great. Um, and, and, and where do you feel like you're doing well?
0: Oh, interesting question. Yeah, uh, you know, doing good. I'm happy.
1: Life is good. Life is good. Mm-hmm. Is, is there any area of your life that could be better? You know, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. I don't want to say this, but just, uh, just got dumped.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. You were with Susie Q for what, five years? Five years, yeah. Was this a fairly recent thing? yes yeah, just she just uh she just did it yesterday she just done it yesterday. yesterday wow yeah. how are you processing it
0: <clears throat> um very confused Very hurt i thought we had something going she was a woman of my dreams i wanted to marry her and uh yeah she just told me that she didn't want to be with me anymore and that she was talking to uh a guy named jeff
1: jeff Jeff's <sighs> a son of a bitch. <laughs> Well I'm really sorry to hear that, brother. What what do you uh what do you think was it was it a surprise to you? Yeah, it was a
0: surprise. I had no clue that she was going out with this other guy. Hmm. And uh, she just yeah, she just dumped me.
1: Five years.
0: Five years.
1: Yeah. Anything that showed up in the five years that you that you were with her that would have led you to believe that this was possible?
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh jeez i mean if we had to talk about it uh probably my lack of attention towards her
1: Mm.
0: you know i didn't pay i wasn't paying enough attention i was working too much
1: Mm. was this was this something that she brought up fairly regularly yeah
0: yeah i mean i i kind of hate myself for doing this because i could have changed i could have paid more attention i could have you know treated her well
1: treated her better and by spending more time with her right yeah. so what are you going to do about it now
0: i don't know man uh, i have no clue i mean I'll, i guess i'll work continue to work continue to work sure continue sure. to work
1: how do you feel I'm like wrong. your work's doing with with this on your plate horrible man horrible i mean but i'll get there i'll get there again I'm good. Yeah, if, if if I may offer some advice. Sure. Yeah. Um, breakups can be really tough, and they can be really tough emotionally on you. Um, and I would, I would give yourself permission and space to process, process whatever emotion you're experiencing, um, and even put, put words to those emotions. Try to to label them so that you can understand what you're experiencing and why you're experiencing them. But give yourself space and time to do that. Now, that doesn't mean you disconnect from the world forever. But um, if you don't deal with the emotion and you keep it buried, it's going to come up in unpleasant ways. Um, so I would definitely encourage you to to take space to really process and figure out what's going on with you and why.
0: It's actually really good. Yeah. Um, great. Great. I'll I'll do that. And I'm sure you have longer conversations about stuff like this. Yeah. That
1: was a casual exchange. Usually if something's coming out of the left, I want to listen. Normally I'm not going to get somebody to talk about something they don't want to talk about. Of course. Um, And so what I process is what is being offered.
0: Of course. Of course. So you're only going to share coaching advice if that they're open to it. If they're not, then there's no use, right?
1: Correct. Yeah. And depending on the relationship, I'm going to I'm going to ask before I offer any advice at all.
0: Got it. So so let me ask you, Sebs. um, Loss of a family member, right? You lost a dad recently.
1: I did. Yeah. Last May.
0: Uh, I lost a dad recently. uh, December. Um, Say somebody. I actually know somebody really well that lost a mom and she's grieving and she actually would i think get a lot of help with this she's been grieving she mentions her mother a lot that she loves her that she misses her that uh she doesn't there's a, she's going over a lot of she's she's experiencing a lot of emotions you have somebody that you lost they they passed away so let's move on from the breakup how do you overcome something like that i mean i'll give things that i I mean me personally I think that this is just me this is I may be different than a lot of people but I have a theory about this I think that if you lose someone and you had a great relationship with them you don't grieve as much
1: hmm.
0: if you have a great relationship with them meaning I'm I'm glad for them I'm glad they're they're in a better place and uh and because you had a great relationship with them there's not you don't feel like you're missing you've missed something but then if you have if you if somebody passes away and you didn't have the best relationship with them it's like oh I could have done this I could have done that you overthink things but I mean why don't why don't you go over your your process with regards to your dad and then I'll go over my process I mean maybe this will help people listening
1: regret is not an uncommon part of the grieving process where you especially if there was unresolved issues or you know unspoken grievances that weren't processed or dealt with um but loss physical loss is an interesting one to me um and, and and kind of how different people process it and you know. Fortunately or unfortunately, my my father passing away last year was not my first rodeo. My mom passed away in 2004 when I was much younger. And that was much more difficult on me, mostly because it was more or less my first time in that situation. Um, And I did go through a lot of different emotions. And and a lot of it is there's a grieving process that everyone goes through um, but I, I just started sitting as witness to what I was experiencing and it really was a really great teaching lesson for me. I, but I just sat in it and like, man, what am I experiencing that? What am I experiencing? Why am I experiencing this? And I didn't really force myself out of the process. Um, I gave myself the space to process. Now I was functional I didn't disconnect from the world. I still worked. I still took care of my responsibilities overall. I was a little bit more disconnected than I probably should have been um, from friends and family. I should, I don't know. But I, I was more disconnected than I normally would have been. Uh, but I gave myself the process of realigning emotionally. And that was the big part of it. It was is, you know realigning my life emotionally without the physical aspect of this person being there and all the, the hopes and dreams that come with that. So for me, I think um, death creates an opportunity to, for us to become more aware and to learn and grow and understand ourselves better. And like, it's not really about the person. And this is what I get everyone like through this process of grieving. understand it's like, you're not sad for the person that's passed on. A lot of times we project that we are, or for them, um, more often than not, it's our experience and our perception of loss, what we've lost, right? It's, you know, some people will probably not like to hear this, but it's a pretty selfish inward process where it's, it's really about us. It's not generally about the person. And there may be exceptions to that, but by and large, with all the coaching I've done around this, really the, the what's being processed is the loss of the person to them. What does this person mean to me? What have I lost? Um, and a story about a thing. So how you perceive it, your story around it has a major impact on how you process it for sure.
0: Hmm. So then what's a common story that people tell themselves that help that prevent them from moving on? Uh, uh,
1: well, it, you know, We could get into how six human need psychology fits into this and if it's meeting one of those needs. Right. Meaning very often we create identity around our stories, right? And there's this desire to feel special in some way, even if we're especially fucked up. So I think we all know these people who they're the one uppers and how fucked up somebody is. Um, And so you got these, you know, somebody wants to share what they're going through and they want to come right over the top with, oh, you think that's bad? Let me explain what I went through. Uh, And so we can create this story around loss, right? Where I've lost my parents and because of that, I'm this. And you know these guys because generally they lead off with information that is fairly personal, um, really early in conversation when you get to know them. Uh, and they're, they're, it's because it's part of their identity. Well, that person isn't likely going to let go of their story or their emotion around this because their coping strategy for it was to create an identity and story around it that they function from. And so that person's very hard to reach um, in, in the process of change because they're not interested. They've, their coping strategy was to have it serve them by creating a story around it that they perceive gives them some kind of social leverage. Interesting. What are the three
0: main emotions that people have that prevent them from moving on? I'll, I'll, I'll go over what I think. I think blame is a big thing. Blame, blaming, um, anger, anger and blame towards someone. Like maybe there was something surrounding the, the death that you could easily blame someone for. Maybe, you know, there was, like, for in my case, I was very angry at the healthcare system. I'm like, I hate this I actually got angry towards physicians in many cases, because I was like, dude, you guys are just like not doing like an honorable job with what you're doing. And I, I, I would blame and that I think that helped that prevented me from moving on. But also, I went through the grieving process before my 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 dad passed. But like, I was also blaming family members. And I was getting angry at family and that helped that prevented me from moving on completely. Um, you know, so I think like once I took accountability for what I could control and then I forgave. So another thing is forgiving, not, not being able to forgive people, not being able to, uh, forgive yourself for whatever you did to that person before they passed away. You know, maybe they had, uh, maybe they were in a vulnerable spot and then you didn't. Or maybe your whole life you didn't treat them the right way, or whatever the case may be, and you feel guilty. Hmm. You got to get over that. You got to forgive yourself. You got to forgive everyone around you. In my opinion, Uh, yeah,
1: blame is a big one.
0: Blame is huge, right?
1: That's that's where you get. That's one of the places people get stuck for sure.
0: Right. All right. Do we have enough? Do we have more time for the podcast? I don't. Okay. Thank you guys. Make sure to subscribe, make sure to like, comment, go to the F5 podcast on iTunes, go on YouTube right now, go on YouTube right now and subscribe to the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. And I would love to have a longer conversation regarding this at another time. On yeah, if market- you,
1: if anybody listening, if you have questions or topics that you'd love for us to get into or, or, further a topic like this, please let us know. We're happy to unpack it and get into it further.
0: Absolutely. Talk soon.